Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D. Mendy back it here with you tonight to remind you that if you use code 21 10 you will get a 10% off discount on all the tools over at FantasyPoints.com. They've got DFS optimizers. They've got tons of great fantasy tools and stuff that you can use. And they're running a special 50% off the rest of the season. So you get a whopping 60% off for the rest of the year. That's a pretty, pretty great deal. Anything 60% off, I'm there. So make sure you check that out. D-Many, like I said, of course, joined by the big cheese of chess. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, VLC. LC, how's it going? It's going really well. The uh, the World Chess Championships rocking on, so I've been following that closely. I got I got to ask you a question. That that code, is it 2-1, the numbers, triple, 10? I just want to know. Is it the no. numbers or the letters? You spelling it out? It's uh, You spell out the numbers, so the number 21, and then triple, and then the numbers 10. That gets you mm-hmm. okay. I like a little ten percent. Also, before I forget, right. I heard I wasn't sure. I didn't know. It's good. That's no, good. It's good to clear that up. But before I I move on to our next guy here, I did hear you took down Josh Saint Marie in some chess. Oh yeah, Josh. Josh. Uh, Josh hit me up after he saw my video, and uh, he wanted to play some chess. So uh, he's pretty new at it, but he's he got he did really well, really well. Uh, had me in some complicated situations. It was a really fun game. Yeah, he, he played sounds- a couple actually. He's he's a smart dude, even though he's just. I'm, I know he's going to pick it up really fast, just like mm-hmm. the kind of guy he is. Uh, but bugging us someone high like Josh Saint Marie, I got to go to the end of the spectrum here <laughs> with the doc, of course, and that's uh somebody who is no longer shackled down by corporate America. It is the doc. How's it going? Oh, oh yeah, got my chains free for the month of December while David's working. Go ahead and trash me, David. At least I'm not in corporate America for this month. Yeah, I'm happy for you. You got a new job. You got a month off. I'm very happy for you. I'm very jealous for you. Right now, my life is the complete opposite, but uh, very happy that you're smiling and happy over there. But there's someone else that's smiling, and that's the man who's truly the bald and the beautiful. It is Marty Tallman. How are you doing? I am bald, and I'm back, and I'm excited. I don't know if you saw Toby gave me a compliment on my hat, which I thought was absolutely incredible. Thank you, Toby, as always. Um, yeah, always great to be on here. Excited to talk about baseball or lack thereof. Yeah, lack of nervous. It's a big thing. It's right now. It's uh, very much uh, kind of a stoppage right now. We're in a lockout. I hate hearing that word, but that's right now with baseball having unanimously voted for that to take place. So not much baseball news, but I will tell you, so I'm going to pick up the mood when talking about lockouts. We welcome in a man who we should begin calling the Italian stallion because of his 1% Italian speaking and the way he gallops to the top of all his fantasy baseball leagues. The man who listens to the most fantasy baseball podcast out there and would be the high schooler's best friend as he gives you the cliff notes of each one. A NFSWA member, Yankees fan, and great writer, as you can check out all his great baseball content at baseball-pods.com. We welcome in Chris at Baseball Pods. How's it going, man? Grazie, David. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the introduction, David. I'm actually like about as Irish as they come and have about six different versions of Marty's hat. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna the one tonight, but I'm Irish too. But, yeah, I figured. <laughs> but um, this year I decided I was gonna try to not be a total waste of space, and um, I was like, I can learn Italian, 
So uh, that's what I'm studying now. I'm in my first year. I'm in the top 1% of Duolingos. And uh, yeah, it's like, and people, and I speak Spanish pretty well. I used to be fluent, I would say. And hopefully I'm good enough in English. So people are like, why do you want to learn Italian? And it's like, because it's the coolest sounding language on earth. I mean, it really is. When you speak Italian, you sound like amazing. So you can be saying like the stupidest things in the world and you sound awesome. So yes, that's my, that's my goal is to keep on trying to learn Italian during COVID. Now, isn't Italian like three times harder than Spanish? Like it's nowhere near the equivalent of learning Spanish, right? Well, they're both, uh, they're, I took Latin in high school actually because my mom made me, which was actually really good because it, it actually helps you learn all these languages, including English. But um, uh, it, they're all Latin languages. So sometimes it helps you because they're kind of close. And then sometimes you're like, you totally get confused because they're close. So I don't know. Some people say, I'm sure it helps me more than it hurts me. But uh, uh, I just, I love just talking to my phone and like, you know, Mario accent every morning. <laughs> I mean, like me and Chris Pratt. You guys could be like brothers. You guys would just have it down. Both of you. That's right. That's right. Well, you walk around and say to your wife, ah, bella donna, buonanotte. It's just like, you can just walk around saying stuff like that. And you could not even really be saying anything real. And it still sounds cool. You just sold me. It's the language of love. So, I mean, yeah, totally. try to appeal to your significant other. It doesn't totally. Sense. I was like, beautiful woman. Good night. I mean, who doesn't want to hear that? Uh, I'm looking up some Italian. I'm going to try to learn some Italian. <laughs> no, 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 no quizzes. I passed my quizzes for the day. <laughs> well, we're excited to have Chris on the show tonight as uh, with obviously the stoppage right now. And before we get to position previews, we want to take a look division by division. And we like to do something here at Triple Play Fantasy called Fixing the Division Series. And tonight is the NL Central Edition. So again, position previews will be later. Mock drafts, they're going to be later. Dynasty outlooks, all that stuff going to be later on with uh, potentially us not having baseball for a little while. So we're going to discuss each and every single team in the NL Central Division tonight. And we're going to fix each team in every division. We're going to play pretend GM. Just if every team is a contender, a pretender, potential free agents they could bring in once the lockout ends, if they're going to trade away a star to kind of collect some assets, all that stuff is going to be talked about here as we fix each team. Let's lead off with our first part of this, and that's going to be bad contracts. So, Chris, for the Cincinnati Reds, which you will be representing, are there any bad contracts on this team? And if so, are they movable? I mean, there are some bad contracts on this team, but none of them, I would say, are atrocious. Um, I don't think any of them are really movable. The Reds are like, they're part of what's really wrong with baseball, in my mind, in the sense that I think Nick Crawl, their GM, or one of their team leaders in the offseason said something like, we must align our expectations with our resources, in, which is like, you know, yay, that makes me want to go to the ballpark where I can watch them align expectations with resources. It's basically like we're billionaires, but we're poor billionaires and the other billionaires. So we can't spend, afford the good players. Um, they do have like, they're, they're, I'd say they're, I mean, they're not going to move Joey Votto. I mean, I think there'd be, you know, uh, an insurrection in uh, Cincinnati if that happened. And he, he's, he's on the books for three more years at about a 22 million a year. The guy that I think, is they're very cheap, so they don't have that many bad contracts. But one of them that I think is probably not great is the, the closest thing they have to a terrible contract would either be Eugenio Suarez, who has just like really looked really old really fast. A part of it, maybe they decided to uh, play him at shortstop where he has no business playing. Um, and part of it may be that he's just getting older and his strikeout rate is just becoming increasingly intolerable. 
And then the other one who doesn't look great is, is Moustakis for a couple more years. He's the free agent in 2025. So they've got him for a couple more years at 16 million a year. So those are the only two contracts and neither of them, I would say are, are like egregious. Um, but, uh, and do I think you could move Suarez or Moose? I don't know. I think you would, I don't, I think that the types of moves that they're going to be are not going to be the dumb salary. Um, they're going to be to try to unload some talent before they have, they become expensive. Mm-hmm. So like Luis Castillo and Tyler Molle are two examples of guys that are not even, they're, they're, they're like really cheap right now. And before they become too expensive, I think that they'll likely try to move them. Um, uh, and that's the types of moves that I see. So I don't see anyone paying for Eugenio or, uh, Moose unless they're part of a deal where the Reds decide, you know what? We're not even going to bring in prospects. We're just going to give you a couple of bad, we'll get, take a bad contract and you get a good, good player. Yeah. And that's Chris is a professional tease because you, te- you touched on a couple of guys, a couple of young guys that might be some assets for them down the stretch here. And, uh, you're right. Like there's not a lot of great. You know, you talk about those two contracts. Also, the fact that they're not too appealing right now. It's like they're coming off of years that nobody's, uh, you know, enamored to go and, and bring those guys in and pay those salaries. So, uh, yeah, I can understand them kind of holding those guys for now. Cheesecake, you have your Chicago Cubbies, which I'm mm-hmm. sure this was fun to dive in and, and look at that. They're completely rebuilding right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I know that's yeah. not a, something a fan wants to hear. But I'm here right. to just tell you it's a safe space. You feel <laughs> right. okay here. It's okay. Right. And why don't you tell us about the Cubs? Is there any more bad contracts on this team? Well, it'd be hard to talk about bad contracts in all of baseball if you weren't talking about Jason Hayward, who signed a seven-year deal in 2016, and they still have two more years left at $22 million. He hit 214 last year, had a 347 slugging, no, little power, 280 on base percentage, little on base. Um, still a good defensive outfielder, but $22 million for, uh, basically a, uh, a defensive replacement level outfielder right now. That's the, one of the worst contracts in all of baseball. But, uh, be, beyond that, they, you know, they, they have like $108 million total payroll. That's with Stroman. That's with Hayward. They're, they're way down from their 145 from last year. Now, I, I don't think we talked too much. We obviously knew each other, Cheesecake, but we did not talk mm-hmm. too much, I think, as much in 2016 as we do now. When the Cubs signed Hayward to that contract, were you like, yes, or were you more like, no? Yeah, he was 26. He was, he was, he was at the age when he was entering his prime. He was coming off of a, an extremely promising uh, beginning in Atlanta and then a good season in St. Louis before coming to Chicago. And he, it was Chicago for some reason that, that, that was the death knell to Jason Hayward's career because he immediately stopped being a good hitter as soon as he came to Chicago. He has had a few seasons with good batting average, but he has never produced any power really. And he's not really a stolen base threat, not really an on base percentage threat. So, um, he's, he's, he's stopped hitting as soon as he got his big contract. It's very strange. Can him and Jose Martinez like combine? Like Jose Martinez, awful fielding, decent hitter. Well, and then Jose Martinez didn't even did he even do anything last year. He didn't do anything last year, but I'm just saying, like three years <laughs> ago, they could if they could combine into one person and have the strengths in each. Like that's a formidable player. If I could combine um, great pitching and great hitting, oh wait, that's Shohei Otani. Like, I don't know. You can't 
can't do you can't just <laughs> take two players it's hypotheticals david yeah. okay you're not going along with the game okay uh <laughs> It's like the Doc's trying to do like the Wonder Twins back, you know, yeah. in the day. Like, oh. of ice, form of a panther. And now they're an ice panther. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, an amazing ice panther with Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward and Jose Martinez combined for the ice panther. Oh, David, don't go along with it now. You're poo-pooing my idea. <laughs> um, it's pretty interesting, too, because people might forget, too, that Jason Hayward was the superior prospect to Freddie Freeman with Braves, too. Pretty was kind of the afterthought, and look how it's kind of turned out there. Marty, now you have the St. Louis Cardinals, who are always seeming like they're churning and burning guys, always relevant, and usually seem like they're pretty well as far as contracts. They don't seem like they're overpaying guys that aren't hitting or producing. So what did you find when you researched the Cardinals? Yeah, and I think the Cardinals is what Chris was talking about. This is a team we can, you know, at least pat on the back a little bit. They try, right? They have a very passionate fan base. They don't mind spending a lot of money on vets you know, to shore up their infield. You know, they love, they're all about defense. They're about good starting pitching. Um, they're a historic franchise for that reason. And um, they've been pretty good with their money. Uh, the Cardinals have eight players with guaranteed contracts for 2022 for a total payroll of 137 million. To put that into perspective, it's the 10th biggest payroll. So they are spending, uh, it's between the Astros are spending a little bit more and the Cardinals are spending a little bit more than the Blue Jays. Um, you know, as far as bad contracts, the, the jury's still out on the vet contracts. Nor Arnato. No, no, it's a good contract. <laughs> as of right now, it absolutely is. I'm not going to let you finish your point. <laughs> this is my first guy. But, uh, so, yeah, so $35 million this year and he signed until 2027. Bargain. So I'm going to say the jury is still out on that one. But as of right now, Arnato's fine. Paul Goldschmidt thing, same thing. You know, he's been, um, I think he's performing at a higher level than we all thought. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with, you know, his days in Arizona, things look, look like things were kind of, you know, dwindling down for him, but he, he fired back up last year. He still has three years left, about 26 million a year. The bat, the worst contract that I'm looking at is probably Miles Michaelis, you know, to pretty much yeah. no fault of his own. Um, yeah. originally signed a four year, $68 million contract. Michael is th he's 32. Um, you know, he's battled back from so many different injuries, most notably the Tommy John. Um, and he still has 26, what is this? Uh, yeah, $17 million over the next two years. So they haven't gotten much out of him. So that's, that's the biggest one. I don't know if it's movable. I mean, maybe if they do, if he does really well and he shows something, maybe someone else will try to pick him up, but the Cardinals try to hold on, you know, to their players, um, and try to at least make some type of run, which is what we saw last year. Uh, Adam Wainwright. Now that contract looks good again, all of a sudden. So uh, he has one year left at $17.5 unless they're totally out of it. I think he's just going to stay. And uh, the idea Molina last year, one more, they owe him $10 million, and he gets a right off to the sunset. So they did pretty good overall with their money. Yeah. Again, that the Cardinals, that's what they do. They are really good with contracts and, and paying guys and not overpaying for guys. And, again, that's why they always seem like they're relevant every single year. They're really producing and, and doing some good stuff there. Doc, you had the Brew Crew, and uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are very interesting as they are looking like they're a contender and looking like that they're trying to build something into a World Series contender, obviously, but there's some interesting pieces there that we're going to get into. Yeah, so they have a lot of their pitching they got on cheap contracts, so that's kind of their where they're excelling. Lorenzo Cain has one year left on his $80 million deal for about um, $17 million. But the bad one is Kristen Yelich, and let's just call a spade a spade. This is going to be the first year of his seven-year, $188.5 million extension. 
He signed it two years ago. So it's going to end in 2029 when he's 37 years old. And right now we're already seeing signs of the regression. His last two years, he's had the lowest batting averages of his career at 205 and 248. And he's combined in 175 games for 21 homers, 73 RBIs, and 13 steals. So he's not excelling in one category. Remember, he has a fractured kneecap, so he hasn't been as aggressive on the base paths. His launch angle has been down back to where it was in the Marlins days when he was hitting about 15, 16 home runs a year. His K rate is up. His walk rate is down. And what's concerning is he's had a back issue the past couple seasons. And with back, you always have to worry about, you know, your core injuries, how it's going to affect your swing in the field. Remember, there's no DH in the NL. And I've said this on other pods we've done. I worry if it's more than an injury, if he actually has an illness that is making him feel fatigued and for his back to hurt. Um, the Brewers don't hand out big contracts like that. The last one they did was Ryan Braun. You just have to worry if this is going to haunt them for the next seven years. Yeah, I think the most scary part is that they haven't diagnosed it, like you said, officially yet. Like It's not like, oh, this is the problem. We're going to fix it. It's just that he has a bad back, and that's been kind of how it's been left for the longest time. And you'd think he'd rest in the offseason. Uh, but again, nothing's really happened with that. So very kind of scary to, to, if you're the Brewers, you're hoping he can get back to what he used to be. But uh, we don't, we won't know. Hopefully next year that can be the case. Doc, do you feel comfortable drafting him with a top three round pick? No, I, I can't do it again because like you're, you're, the appeal of him is that he's going to contribute in so many categories. He'll get you some steals. He'll get you some pop. He'll get you some batting average. He's had two really good years and five or six. Yeah, he's above average. I just can't do it. If he excelled in one category, high batting average, aggressive on the base pass, showed some power, but he hasn't done that. Yeah, and Chris, you shook your head too. You're out on Yellich as a third round pick. Where would you think you'd feel comfortable taking him? I don't know, but it's not even anywhere close to that. I mean, in the third round, I'm getting someone like, you know, Whit Merrifield or uh, someone like Jordan Alvarez, maybe if it's early third or later, like Eli Jimenez is going like in the fifties or Castellanos. Like I just got to take any of those guys because they're healthy. I mean, even if he comes back, he's got a bad back. You know, it's, it feels like I don't think his career is over. I'm not saying that, but it feels like this next year, at least until they figure it out and how to manage it is going to be a real pain to try to, and like, you're not, you can't, you're not going to be able to rely on him in the lineup. And it feels like they're, he'll, they're, he, like maybe, you know, Giancarlo Stanton a year or two ago, where it was just like, you weren't, especially unless you're in daily leagues, you're going to put him in, you're going to miss like a whole week. Like you're going to find out on Tuesday that he's like, Oh, he's out. And with a bad back, how much is he really going to run? I mean, that's, we know that that's, and, and, and now he's on the other side of 30. So I just see, um, I don't anticipate I'll, I'll have him anywhere, to be honest, because I think someone will be willing to take him and I'll just, I'll just take a healthy player that I think has got just as much upside. If you think Yelich is going to run, then I can see why people, like, that's your bet. Cause if you're taking him in like the fourth, third, fourth, fifth round, there aren't a lot of people that are stealing 20 bags there. So if you think you can get back to that, God bless you, but I'm just not willing to, to to invest that amount of draft capital at that point this year. Not until he proved me wrong. Hey, Chris, David and I have talked about this because I, I feel like... Going. I know where you're going with this. You no, know, no, because I feel like him and Bellinger are early round picks that have disappointed. What's the earliest you would take them and, and do you have one over the other that you would take? I'd probably take Bellinger over Yelich, to be honest, because Bellinger is 26 and he just seems like kind of a knucklehead that keeps on throwing his shoulder out. And, uh, you know, he could... I don't know. I, I don't... 
Whereas Yelich has like chronic back problems. And I think the chronic really, really bothers me. So what's funny is this is how quickly things change in fantasy. And for us to remember this last off season, I was in a, um, a mock, an industry mock. And I took, I got, I think I got Bellinger 15th or 14th and like, um, and yell yeah no, i got yelich like in, with a second to last pick with my first round pick and like bellinger second so it was like something like 14 17 i thought i was like the stud of all studs i was like oh man how smart am i these guys are both going to be mvp candidates blah 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 and you know it just goes to show you how quickly valuation can change in the game we usually talk about that with hitters but those are the t- pitchers but those are the two primary examples of how it can also injuries can hit hitters too uh, uh, like I said, I will, I'll given, um, I don't, I don't know like what the ADPs are yet, but I've been in about four or five drafts and I haven't come close to drafting either of them, but I imagine I'd probably, I think Yell- Bellinger's ADP will be lower and therefore I'm more likely to get him. Yeah. I think right now Bellinger's usually more the consensus just in the sense of, like you said, Chris, he's healthier or seems to be healthier and not having the, that lingering problem. He should be right for next year. Uh, Let's move on to, uh, I'm, I picked the Pittsburgh Pirates on purpose because I'm going to keep mine short and sweet as the other 14. You're cherry picking, dude. We yeah, get exactly. it. <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Pirates, do you guys have a guess on what their team payroll right now is projected for next year with the players they have under contract? 32 cents. <laughs> I, I would say 33 million, 32 million around that. I was going to say 37. Thirty-one. Yeah. I know it's less than what Scherzer's making. Yeah, it's thirty-four, uh, thirty-four and a half mil, pretty much. So, right now, their worst contract is Roberto Perez, and uh, he's making five million. It actually it's kind of funny because they just signed him. Yeah, five. He basically <laughs> they just signed him. Brian Reynolds is signed for four and a half mil. Desugo they just signed this year for four mil. Uh, they also have Quintana, who they just signed for two mil. So these are the God, top contracts. They literally awful. have seven guys that are actually signed, uh, you know, that are making over a million dollars. The rest are not. The actually, if you're talking about the worst contract they have on the books, that I'm glad I wrote this down because um, I had to scroll down a little bit farther to find this guy's Felipe Vasquez, who obviously everybody, you know, what he did, he's never playing baseball again. But that contract right now is still technically on the books. He's making four years, twenty two and a half million dollars until. Uh, 2024 so he's making 5.6 mil per season so right now he's making the most on the team yeah so it's an unmovable contract obviously and the rest of the guys i said are pretty much guys they bought and they're making between 1.8 and 4 million dollars the rest are under 1 million i don't know if you guys knew this michael chavis is there did you guys know michael chavis was on this i didn't i didn't i like that as a dart throw in fantasy like late round pick yeah (laughs) Definitely a draft champion's target. Yeah, I mean, he's projected actually right now as uh, going to start in the infield for them. So it's it's actually kind of wild. Cause I had no idea the Red Sox had DFA'd him or, or let him go. So, um, yeah, he's he's somebody, again, very cheap and you could get at the end of your drafts. But the, the Pirates have no salary committed. One of the two teams, I believe, besides them and the Orioles that are making less than Max Scherzer this year. And that's a whole other topic about teams spending less for an entire team than one player. but. Again, it's, it's just hopefully baseball can figure something out with that because I don't think necessarily teams should get penalized for paying a lot for players, but I think there needs to be some kind of minimum that teams have to spend just to keep at least some type of competitive balance and not just be like, hey, we're just going to throw away this year, the next year, the next year, and not even put a, a field a team out there that should be that can be competitive. 
Uh, but that's, again, a whole other thing. Let's move to the biggest assets on your team. So players that you think are the team's biggest assets and you think if they're going to keep them and keep them as part of the future, or do you think that they're going to be moving them for future assets to kind of keep retooling and rebuilding here? So, Chris, you kind of touched on it earlier with Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo, those type of guys. Do you think, and it sounds like the Reds are moving these guys. Yeah, I think Castillo is probably the biggest asset and they'll move him. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't I'd be surprised if to see him moving someone for like to the, I can see him moving to the, to the Yankees for someone like Labor Torres in a package. That's what I, I would be trying to get one major league bat back and then maybe a, a few major minor league arms, one of whom could pop. And, you know, New York obviously has both, has, uh, a, uh, significant need in the rotation. I think, and they they're loaded with like good arms, and uh, and and the Reds it wouldn't be bad. Like, okay, take Davy Garcia, get Glaber, Davy Garcia, and throw a couple of the um the the hard throwing arms that the Yankees have like developed that are a couple years away, and see if one of them turns into something. I mean, you almost want a couple of guys who you who have who are boom or bust because if one or two of those one of them boom, booms, then you like you can't trade for those guys once they get close to like the majors like you're not going to get you know you're not going to get probably even like a volpe for castillo um you know you want to trade for those high ceiling guys when they're when when they've got some bust in them because that's the only way the teams are going to move them so i like the idea of like maybe getting a couple of the hard throwing um yankees arms in the lower minors maybe you can get glaber and maybe you can get like a davy garcia or clark schmidt thrown in if luis castillo went to the new york yankees i haven't done uh, too many drafts yet or anything like that but would he get for you chris would he kind of creep into the top five for you for starting pitchers if he goes to the yankees no first of all i worry about his mentality in yankee stadium and second of all you know i'd rather have him in the nl central where he gets to play, play, play you know play the pirates and the other you know some of the other, the Cubs and some of the other like more mediocre defenses than, than the AL East or offenses than the AL East. So I don't think he, from a, from a, I think it's a more of a real life baseball move. The only thing that's going to go up maybe is some wins. Well, to be honest, even as bad as Glaber Torres was a defense, he's a lot better than Eugenio Suarez. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the thing about the Reds that, um, if you didn't realize it this year, if you're starting a Reds pitcher, you're like, they were, none of them were very good at, in the whip category because they had terrible defense behind them. So I can imagine, like, I guess his whip could go down, but I wouldn't imagine it would change my fantasy valuation of a bunch. I think it's more of a real baseball move, and I'd be more excited about the players coming back to the Reds. That's fair. That's fair. Cheesecake, let's talk about the Cubs now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about their assets. They got a lot of young players there. They pretty much traded away all their star-studded players from their past championship run. Rizzo's gone. Bryant's mm-hmm. gone. Baez is gone. So they're kind of starting a new crop here. Is there any assets that you think that they have that they might trade or just future stars that they're holding on to that you think that they're going to be big building blocks in their future? I think their biggest trade asset at this time is Wilson Contreras, and I think he's going to be moved. And I think the Jan Gums signing that they did earlier this offseason is just a sign that they're going to move him. They have a, a big catching prospect named Miguel Amaya who is uh, – He's a big bear, 6'2", 240, just one of these giant catchers that that never used to be around. But he's one of their top prospects. So Contreras with Gomes, you know, one of them is going to have to go, and Contreras is the one who will get a better return for them. Um, you know, they could they could decide to trade someone like Hendricks. 
they probably if, are going to trade someone like Wade Miley if he's pitching well at the deadline. But I think he's someone who they're hoping can build some more value at this time. Um, but yeah, they don't have a lot of young guys at the major league level right now. A lot of their guys starting are 30-year-old retreads like Rafael Ortega, Frank Schwindel, Patrick you put Wisdom. some respect on their name, Cheesecake. <laughs> oh my gosh. If these guys come out, and they and they raked. They were like the best hitters on the team the, the end of last season. But if they come out and hit 290 again, you know, more power to them. I, I, I think that they're they're like Brian Lahare. If you remember Brian Lahare, he was he was a, a guy who made an All Star team because he had a strong first half for the Cubs, and then right after that, the next season he was playing in Korea. So I mean, these these guys are go- trying to get good Korean contracts in their thirties. That's what they're going for. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. yeah, there you go, Marty. Let's talk about those Cardinals. Let's talk about any assets they have, and or you know any type of person you think that they might be moving for future parts here that exist on the Cardinals. Yeah, well, they have a good balance. So it's the it's the old vets and the young guns. So Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Adam Wainwright. I don't see Arenado being moved um, ever. Uh, Goldschmidt, they're going to keep him. Wainwright, unless, let's just say they tank and they do terrible. And Wainwright's like, hey, this is my last year, guys. I want to go to, I want to win another championship. I don't know. Maybe they get rid of him. But the Cardinals are so dedicated to winning, even to a fault sometimes, that I don't see them moving any of their their old guys. And the young guns, I mean, Tyler O'Neill, Jack Flaherty, Giovanni Gallegos, Dylan Carlson. I mean, they have them all. Uh, it's the last year of arbitration for O'Neill. Uh, Flaherty, two more years of arbitration. Gallegos, three more years. Carlson, under arbitration until 2026. Um, I don't see them moving at all. I think they're going to keep all those young guys, too, continue to build on that. Uh, they're not re-signing Wade LeBlanc or Kwon Young Kim. They're they're letting them go. Oh, that's they're, a shame. They're, they're going to stay. I think they're just <laughs> <it's> a shame. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're going to stay, stay steady. Yeah, sounds about right for the Cardinals. Doc, Brewers, same question for you. I mean, their assets have to be their pitching. So they're probably going to keep Corbin Burns, as I would, 27 years old, just coming off of Cy Young. Same with Brandon Woodruff, 28. Um, And that, you know, they probably have one of the best one through three. You think that they trade Freddy Peralta if they're looking for some hitting? He's on a five-year, 15 million contracts and very movable. Do they get rid of some of the bullpen pieces? They have Josh Hader. They have Devin Williams. Aaron Ashby looked really great at the end of the year. Do they move a fourth starter like Adrian Hauser for a team that needs an innings eater. I don't think any of their assets come to hitting. And I think that's ultimately what they need. And pitching is where they're really deep at. So I wouldn't be surprised if they moved one of these arms. Now you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Just give me a head nod. Is Josh Hader the most tradable asset the Brewers have? Outside of like Burns and Woodruff, yes. Because I don't think they're trading Burns or Woodruff. And Aaron Ashby, realistic, realistic target. Yes. Yeah. I think like as far as the Brewers would be willing to part with because they can just slide Devin Williams to the closer role and Aaron Ashby showed he could kind of come in there and be that strikeout leverage guy. So I, I feel like Josh Hader, while his value is as high as it is, if you were trying to get a big return and you know, that could be, that could be the guy. And I feel like the Brewers have like moved bullpen pieces throughout the other year. Like Corey Nabel used to be the closer. Then they got rid of him, and then, you know, Hader was the eighth-inning guy. It always seems like they have someone in rotation, and they don't just stay with one guy for years and years. Yeah, Mike, uh, you, you can acknowledge me next time, too. I would be very appreciative. <laughs> um, I, I will just Ooh, go ahead and close out. Guy? Who's that guy? That's Mike Curlin. Joking. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your sarcasm is good, Chris. Your sarcasm is good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mike, there's a reason why we didn't invite you on this show. All right. Um, the Pipers are <laughs> Pirates real quick here. They, as far as assets, the, you know, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman are the guys that are on the team right now that are decent major league players that I think, you know, I could see them potentially trading for the right offer. They have Brian Hayes, which is right now the guy on the major league roster, I think is their biggest asset. They also have O'Neill Cruz, who is the 6'7", 220 pound shortstop. 6'7", 220 pound shortstop. Sounds like a created player. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Even, was, even a name also, Neil Cruz. He's <laughs> apparently just like reading about him a little bit. He's one of the most fascinating prospects in baseball. Obviously, the size of everything. Offensive potential, he has the raw power and the ability to barrel up the baseball. Uh, average ever, exit velocity off the bat equaled that of uh, Josh Bell this past season at just over 92 miles an hour. And he needs to work a little bit more on his chase rates and committing to a game plan. Every kind of his every bad approach needs a little bit of work. He's gonna again. He's projected to start at shortstop for them this year. And Cabrian Hayes is projected to start at third base. So their left side of the infield is very intriguing. Those are two guys I don't see them parting with, and I think they're part of their their future that I would imagine are not again pretty much untouchable. They also have a guy named Henry Davis who's uh, an A plus ball right now. He's a catcher. Projected to come up in 2024. That's their other big asset that's closest to uh, having a ton of value for this team. But as far as major leaguers right now, Kevin Newman and um, and Ryan Reynolds are the two guys I think you could see moved from the Pirates this year for teams that are looking for some help in those areas. Let's now move to the third segment here. And that's going to be possible offseason targets you think this team might bring in or obtain in a trade. So obviously we saw a flurry of free agent moves already, but they're still not done yet. So Chris, do you think there's any kind of guys that the Reds, obviously it seems like they're going to be looking at very uh, cheap guys, guys that are not going to cost a lot of money or cause a lot of fanfare to kind of plug some holes for this team. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think they're, I don't think you're going to see a lot of signings. I do think you'll see some deals. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Seiya Suzuki's market is. Um, you know, I thought he was going to sign already, and some of the big league teams have been sniffing around, I, like the big market teams, I should say. But the fact that he didn't sign right away, I just I wonder if maybe people are like, ah, oh, maybe he's not a first division regular, maybe he's a second division regular. You know, and the Reds have shown they they went out and got Akiyama, you know, before, and they've shown the willingness. Maybe that maybe that's an affordable free agent they decide to bring in if they can unload some of their uh some of the the money that they're they're projected to need to spend on um on in on arbitration in the coming years. So that's one person I could see. But other than that, I think you're going to see them, um, you know, spending very little money and mostly um, unloading people who are going to cost them an arbitration and free agency. And uh, I, I view it them going the other direction right now. Well, speaking of the other direction, I want to stay also and talk about the last segment here. We're going to kind of combine the two here. What do you, do you think the realistic expectations for this team are? Give us kind of a 2022 record, their final record. And you think they're in playoffs, purgatory, or they're a pushover? I like my alliteration, so that's why those three are together. I appreciate your consonants. <laughs> um, I think they, you know, they were they were an above average, uh, above 500 team, um, and it's sad because I think that they have the core and the potential to do more than uh, than and like they went out and like started spending for the first time in years. And I have a couple of friends who are lifelong Reds fans, and they're like, "Oh my god, like the Reds, here we come." And it seems like they've just decided they're going to go in the exact opposite direction. And 
I also think part of this is a calculated um, move on their part. When you look at the rest of the NL Central, I mean, this. Is, I mean, the Cardinals use like the market inefficiency of spending money and their double magic to win, right? That's how the Cardinal. That's their secret to their success. But the Pirates aren't spending money anytime soon. Um, the Brewers are, you know, and the, the Cubs are in rebuild mode. So I think the Reds are like, you know what? Um, we're not, we don't have, for whatever reason, they've decided they're not going to be, they're not going to push to contend. So they can probably finish, you know, I don't think they're going to be, I think they'll be below 500 when their roster is fully reconstructed, but maybe it's 70 and 90 and nothing too terrible. And then they're, and then they can try to uh, contend in the next cycle if they can bring in some prospects for the current talent that they have. I feel like if you're a Reds fan, you're not, in that park with like the pirates and some other teams that have just kind of been bottom feeders for a while. The reds, I feel like have had so many good years, but they've never been able to deliver. And then they've been irrelevant for a few years. And then you get excited again. They never go far in the playoffs. It's a very kind of mediocre. They're like the twins of the national league. And uh, speaking as a twins fan, I can understand that type of pain. So they, uh, I, I think they're kind of in that, that middle ground, like you said, they're kind of now going back towards being irrelevant for a few years. So not good if you're a Reds fan, but hopefully some stuff for the future there. Cheesecake, same thing for you. Let's talk about some possible offseason targets you think this team might bring in. They haven't already. And then give us your realistic expectations and record for the Cubs. I mean, they've, they've done a little bit of spending already. They went out and they put a three for 71 on Marcus Stroman, which is inexplicable. I can't understand why they're a rebuilding team would would do that unless they're hoping to trade him they they signed Jan Gomes two for 12 they signed Clint Frazier which I think is a one of those post type sleeper type of signings is if you can put it together one year one and a half million maybe you get some loyalty on an on the next contract if he puts it together or you resign him during the season um I don't think I don't think they should be out there spending a whole lot of money they have no, their offense is their 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 offense is going to be awful. So I think you know there's about ten million dollars left if they and that will reduce their payroll by ten percent. That's my guess. I'm guessing they want to have a lower payroll this year. I would like to see them try to nab one of these guys who just slides a little bit in free agency when it's done. Uh, an offensive player, an outfielder like like if Jorge Soler. Uh, isn't signed one year, ten million dollar for Jorge Soler. You know, uh, uh, you know, give him that pillow contract, and then you have Soler for your for your team. Maybe you can trade him. Maybe he's part of the next thing you do. He's been there. You know, there's a few other guys. Tommy Pham is coming off a bad season. Maybe you get him for less than ten million. Maybe Michael Conforto slides through, and you can get Conforto on a one or two year deal. Um, so these are these are the types of moves I'm hoping they make. I I can see when everything is said and done, there being a few of these hitters that just are not seeing the market that they want, and I want them to be there to give them the pillow and maybe get some loyalty on the back end of that. Come here, come to the Cubs on a come small to the contract. Cubs. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We'll One pay you. Deal. We'll pay you some, just not a lot. Just come, just come. Yeah. On. But I think this year they're at least 20 games under five, uh, under. So 70, 70 sounds about right. Between 70 and 72 wins. Um, not terrible. I think they're in purgatory right now. I really do. I think they're in purgatory. They don't have the young talent that these top farm systems have. Their farm system is pretty mediocre. Um, and they don't have guys at the major league level that are young. 
and 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 have have a higher ceiling. Yeah, and again, I, I think with the Cubs at least you have some hope. I, I kind of like some of the moves they've been doing. The Stroman signing is a little questionable, like you said, but I, I kind of like the the Nico Horner and the uh, mm-hmm. Nick Madrigal infield. It's kind of intriguing. It's an to interesting me. one. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of batting average there. They're both about 25. I mean. That could that could end up developing into something, and that would be that would be really great. I, I question whether Nico could hang at shortstop. I don't think he has a great arm, but um, but uh, I like I like I like their potential as hitters too, especially at those middle infield positions. Yeah, and again, I mean Frank Schwindel in the CBS podcast calls him Frankie Two Hits. I heard today he had twenty five doubles in fifty five games this past year, which is pretty insane. So. You know, if he carries it over, we, that's another interesting piece for you guys there. Marty. The, the Cubs, oh. I was going to say, the Cubs also, I mean, they have some interesting talent coming. I mean, like, uh, Brennan Davis is the, mm. the prospect that I, I don't, I don't know if, I think he'll arrive this year. If yeah, not. he should. And that's, that's a guy like, wow, like, he could be, he could be a centerpiece, right, for the organization. So not yeah. everyone, I don't think every organization has, like a, a a Brendan Davis, I think he's a top five, maybe seven prospect in all of baseball. Mm. But he's not he so he he's like something to to dream on, I think at least in Chicago. And I agree with you a lot uh, on the the Stroman piece baffled me, but then I was like, God, that's a really team friendly deal, and it must just be, hey, we're gonna dip into the market, spend a little money on this guy, mm. and we'll flip him at some point during the contract because it's he's a comparable talent to to yeah. Gosman, I think. And, a much, much better, much better deal in terms of team friendliness. Yeah, I agree for sure. Marty, you got the St. Louis Cardinals. I got the same two questions for you. Give us any possible free agents they might bring in and then give us our 2022 expectations. All right, let's hop into what they've already done. So the biggest thing that the Cardinals wanted to sure up was getting another uh, a pitcher on the staff. So they got your boy, Steven Matz, four year, $44 million. Um, that was their first priority. Now, whether or not that's a big splash enough for you as a Cardinal fan, it is what it is. So that's who, that's, that's who they got there. They also re-signed, uh, TJ McFarland, left-handed relief pitcher. Um, they brought him back on a good one-year contract. Um, overall though, the team's in purgatory. And here's the reason why. It took 17 straight wins, Adam Wainwright to have a complete renaissance season, all of that to make the wild card and then get, you know, beat by the Dodgers. So. If there is no historic run, and if the Cardinals front office doesn't decide to spend, so let's look at the who would make them better. I want, if there is a DH in the NL, obviously big disclaimer here, but if there is a DH, Kyle Schwarber would be a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Three years, you know, I think he wants 10 mil a year. Um, you know, they need that big bat, you know, to kind of level out that offense there. He would look good, the four or five spot. Probably, yeah, he'd probably put him at the five. Um and just overall, the team's kind of in this weird, just weird feel too. I mean, they win 17 games in a row. They make it to the playoffs. And the first thing they do, they fire their coach. So the coach is gone um, over philosophical differences. And the front office has hired basically their, like, their guy, you know. Um, and not taking anything away from Oliver Marmel. He, he's, he's 35 years old. I'm sure he's going to be a good manager, but basically the front office, he's, they're pulling the strings, right? So they have this new coach, one of the youngest coaches ever in baseball. Um, I mean, Wainwright's older than him. Molina's older than him. That's going to be kind of a weird dynamic. But, um, so they have this brand new young coach, this team with a bunch of vets and young, good players. But unless they make one big 
big signing, they're going to be, I think, somewhere around 75 and 87. 75 I, mean, shit was, I love the way he just not only managed that team, but when you watch like managers, like half their job, I think, is a big part of their job, I should say, is just player management. Like in, in, you can, in soccer, they call it man management, right? It's like, how do you like manage the personalities in the clubhouse mm-hmm. and keep all these different people happy? And like, he, he would go out and give like some of the best. He's one of my favorite managers to watch in post game pressers because he didn't say nothing, but he always had his teams back, but he always also held them accountable. And just like a real class, like individual and someone who would like made was like, man, I want to play for that guy. So I was shocked by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. I think that's going to be really interesting to see. It puts a lot of pressure on Marmol because as you said, he's a super young manager. This guy was just, he Schilt was a lifer in, in St. Louis. So obviously there's a lot of people who have a lot of respect for him. The only other name I wanted to put out there just because it's one of the best names in baseball is Lars Newtbar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, uh, you know, makes O'Neill Cruz look like a common name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but if that, if the, it's in all seriousness, if they don't sign, like as Marty was saying, if they don't go out and sign a big DH, like that's a little, little bit of a sleeper there. I mean, he showed some tools and he'd be the guy I think that would be the primary DH beneficiary for them if they don't sign a big bat. Yeah. No, I, again, and I think it'll be interesting to see if that DH thing, which I think we all expect to happen what, once these negotiations are done, what the NL teams start doing, watching them, like these guys that now all of a sudden, you know, you have, 15 jobs open up and that's going to, you know, create guys, all these guys flocking over to the national league. Although I think that we, we assume that's kind of like a done deal. And I've always assumed it'll be because something the players want, but I was listening to Eno Saris talk recently and he said he was talking to a couple of players and they're just like, we don't really care. It's actually not that many jobs the way it plays out. And we're not going to give it up as any kind of thing in the play, in the, in the negotiation. So who knows how that I, 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 I'll be honest with you. In the, my early drafts, I've been assuming NLDH, and that gave me some pause and maybe be like, okay, let's not go to a foregone conclusion. Yeah, that, that's a good point, and you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Doc, really quick, give us your analysis for the Brewers as we close this out. Yeah, so they're going to need some pop in their lineup. The, their uh, leader in home run last year, Avicel Garcia, at 29, he's gone. They had 20 home runs combined for the three players that played first base. Frank Vo- or Daniel Vogelbach, Rowdy Tellez, and Keston Hira. They're going to need some power in their lineup. I'd love to see them target Chris Bryant on a two to three year deal. I think that's kind of their window to win it now before they have to pay some of the pitchers or before Yelich really, really tails off. If not, maybe you can get, you know, a cheap bat, Schwarber, Kyle Seeger, Eddie Rosario, Nelson Cruz on a one year deal, but they have to get some power in that lineup. I think we really saw them struggle with that at the playoffs. They were 95 and 67 last year. I see them taking a little bit of a step back. I think the pitching regresses a little bit. They're 89 and 73 and get in as a wild card. I, I like that all around. I think that was a pinpoint on that. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. The Pirates, uh, they already brought in Roberto Perez, Jose Quintana. Right now they have Will Crow listed as their ace next year. So Whoa, not uh, Mitch Keller? No, Mitch Keller is their number two. Okay. They also have Zach Thompson, you guys remember from the Marlins, who I think is kind of an interesting ad there. He's there, he's there right now listed as their five starter. Someone who I might target kind of at the end of drafts to just expect him to get some innings and look decent there. I think they're going to add another infielder, preferably a first baseman. Right now they have Michael Chavis and Yoshi Tusugo as the only ones listed on the roster that could play, you know, uh, first base. So I think maybe they're not going to open, they're not going to pay a lot for somebody. There's Mike Ford out there. So maybe they bring in Mike Ford. Danny Santana 
is out there who's someone who can just float <laughs> all around everywhere. Wow. And, and maybe if they needed someone to soak up some innings in that rotation, they bring in some uh, Jose Urania. A little little sprinkle of Jose Urania oh, there. I think that no. could be fantastic. Uh, the thoughts on Hero bounce back was very out last year, but now the price tag's intriguing, had personal problems, such a lot. Chris, uh, what do you think? Keston Hero bounce back, are you investing in him at all? Dollar days, maybe. Like, I'll, I'll take some shots. If, if it turns out that he looks like he's got an everyday job in a lineup that's as competitive as Milwaukee's, I think, you know, Mike's got a point. Like, he, the, he, he hit a, he had a hit tool and something went wrong. And, um, you know, growth is not linear. It certainly doesn't usually look like Keston Hira's growth model. I mean, but, uh, he's a dollar days guy for me. I'll probably want to grab a couple of shares on a couple of teams, but certainly nothing close to what I would consider a target. Yeah, again, like you say, I, I think do we all consensus on that? Not overpaying for him, but you know, somebody I that I wouldn't touch him at all. I think the expression is I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. I wouldn't so touch a, him with a ten foot pole. There you go, thirty four percent K rate. I mean, that's not dropping. You're banking on power. I I wonder. I haven't seen what his early draft ADP is, but uh, Curlin does have a nice point on Sinsugo. I think I think the Pirates like there are a couple of things on the Pirates like. I'm actually, I've never been a big Cabrian Hayes fan, and he was great in that short season call up, but that did not look at all like his minor league production to me. You know, I'm wearing a Yankees hat, so you know I love his dad. He caught that first out of the 96, last out of the 96 World Series, but, and I, and I love his defense and watching him play. And I think he'll turn into a, a good hitter, but he's not a fantasy hitter. Um, but I do think there are some sleepers on that team, and, you know, Brian Reynolds kind of came out of, we, we looked at, kind of overlooked him just because he was a pirate. You know what I mean? And, and look what he did last year. Yoshi was like crushing the ball last year mm-hmm. with some power. And it wouldn't surprise me if he put him 25 plus home runs on the board if he gets into a full-time job. And there's good, That's value. Like that's how you make money at the end of the draft is like grabbing those guys for free. So yeah. I, and I think they're across like finding, seeing who the pirates are going to roll out there every day. Opportunity is a big part of value in this game. It's not as much as it is in the NBA fantasy, but for baseball, like, look for opportunity. There's going to be opportunity on the Pirates. And just like, you know, Cheesecake was talking about, none of us had heard of Frank the Tank or Rafael Ortega or, you know, um, or Wisdom. And they put up some they, – they won fantasy leagues for people last mm-hmm. year. So, it's like I will be watching the Pirates to see who is uh, competent in the beginning of the year and trying to find some of those guys and find some hidden gems. I'll speak up real quick and before we go to the question of the week here. Justin Mason came out today. I don't know if this is the first time he mentioned it, but on the, the CBS pod that came out today, he said Cole Tucker is his Cedric Mullins this year. That's his, uh, that's his call. He's somebody that's going pretty much undrafted that he thinks is going to return a ton of value this year. So if you're riding, I mean, I would do the same thing. Uh, if you're, you call out Cedric Mullins last year, you're going to put your eggs in the basket. Yeah. That's, that's his guy this year. So. Uh, just that he's again, he's on the Pirates. He's gonna play the outfield. And he's gonna get a lot of at bats. So, kind of 80, like 80 grade hair too. Yeah, he's prospect pedigree, if I'm not mistaken. Too, he was uh, a decently high prospect when he first came up. And I think so, I think his brother got drafted. I think it was his brother got drafted by um, Cleveland in last year's draft. Carson Tucker, I think it's his brother. But no, definitely a super athletic guy who's got. He'll, he can, there's no doubt he can steal some bases. So if he can put a hit tool together, he's gonna get the opportunity to get runs in a and uh, he's got a little pop too. Not a bad call. No, that's that's exactly the type of thing that I think we he'll be buried on most people. Like, and you go look up a you know on the depth charts, he'll be like ranked 35th or something. And so no one's gonna want him. But that that 
what I'm learning more and more, especially as we look at smart teams going into offensive platoons, mm-hmm. and it's not just the Rays anymore. Even the Dodgers do it. The Giants are doing it. And more and more teams are going to start doing this. Full-time at-bats, plate appearances are like plate appearances and innings pitched. Those are going to be, those are the secret categories to success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, 100%. And I'm looking forward to it because, I think this offseason, you know, obviously with the lockout, we're going to be able to just spend some time really looking into some guys's, you know, past seasons, looking at projected, uh, you know, playing how much they're going to play on these teams. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to find some hidden gems for this upcoming season. But on that note, let's move over to the question of the week, which, of course, is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight and is, of course, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. And if you're a new depositor, you'll receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play. So, Art did a great job of tying in the question of the week to this discussion. If you could force one trade to make the league more balanced and exciting, what would it be? And keep in mind, the salaries would have to line up. So, Chris, I'm going to turn it to you first because you're the guest. If you don't have one, and Cheesecake said he had a few that he liked, so I'll let you lead it off if you have one ready. I've got a few as well, and I'm pretty sure the the other money would line up. I'll just give a couple, two examples. So one is the Marlins have just really developed an amazing pitching machine, and they've got so many pitchers. And you know, we haven't even seen like Max Meyer hasn't come up yet. Sixto Sanchez, you know, he's you know we're a little worried about his health, but long term he seems like he's going to be a great asset. And so I would love to see them move one of those arms. And one of the places I was thinking about was was to the Mets, um, where They've got a couple of kind of like bats that are out that are won't crack the Mets lineup, but I think they might start for the Marlins. So I just wonder if there's an opportunity to move like Dominic Smith and um, and or J.D. Davis from the Mets, who are not super expensive pieces, but they're guys that have shown flashes in the past of being able to really hit. Um, and they can also move around a little bit. They're not great defenders, to be honest, but. Um, and moving them to Miami for one of those arms, maybe like an Elias or Hernandez or some, not mm-hmm. one of their aces, but one of their more, one of the depth arms. So something like that would be interesting. And the other, the other just move I would love to see, I don't know, maybe moving them to the Angels so that Trout and Shohei get a better chance at being in the playoffs. I would love to see the Angels in the playoffs, um, just to watch those guys play and get a chance. But, um, I look at Tampa and I see guys that are getting platooned or don't have full time opportunities. So one would be, um, Vidal Brujan, who I just, he's an exciting mm-hmm. fantasy player. And so I would love to see him get full time at bats. He can play infield and outfield. So I think he'd be a guy. Maybe they could figure out how to move him to the Angels. I don't know what for necessarily because the Angels don't have a very good system, but I would love that maybe Tampa Bay can find like some three or four minor league arms that will never make it to the majors, but will end up being very good, like multi inning relievers for them. I would love to, I would love to free Vidal Brujan though. And or another another guy who I don't think the Rays will move, but I would like to see him get full time at bats is Austin Meadows. Oh um, yeah, so, so he's oh, so. he's he's he he had a terrible he had a, the worst hundred RBI year I can remember. I feel um, like he's a obvious trade deadline candidate. Yeah, yeah, like move him, send him, send him to send him to send him and Bruhan to the Angels for like Brandon Marsh or so, and and some package of other stuff. So those are a couple of the types of deals I would like to see. Oh, I like those. That's a good way to kick it off. Cheesecake, I know you were teasing at a couple before the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a few. Um, and, and, and I, and I, I appreciate Chris making them somewhat realistic trades. Mine do not suffer from that, uh, from that. <laughs> They're not realistic trades. Um, I have one which I thought was really fun. 
where uh, Miguel Cabrera's $31 million goes to St. Louis for Nolan Arenado, $32 million <laughs> contract. And then the Tigers have Nolan Arenado. They can put Heimer Candelario at DH or Spencer Torkelson at DH. And they are on the, the road to competing in the, in the AL Central. I think that's very exciting. I, um, I also thought that, uh, the Angels, speaking of the Angels, Justin Upton's 21 million for you, you Darvish's 21 million. Get them a pitcher and Upton's not doing anything for him. So that's a, that's, that's a high end pitcher that, and then Ken Giles is making 5.25 million for Seattle. Jose Ramirez is making six point five million. That roughly matches up to me. <laughs> so Seattle could use they could use another hitter, and Jose Ramirez is making a nice salary. They can trade Ken Giles is use he's useless five million for Jose Ramirez is six, and there you go. Now Seattle's now Seattle's competing in the West. I uh, I think yeah, I think the the GMs on half of those teams might have something in their their drink or something like that. It, those trades, I don't know, <laughs> those are going down. I didn't say they had to. Be re- I said I'm forcing these trades. And and I'm taking off the Cardinals as I do it, which is like a win-win. <laughs> now the real truth comes out. Uh, Marty, do you have one? Or we was riding those the ones they said are pretty good. Yeah, they, um, it's funny that we're kind of all just taking shot shots at the Angels here, but I'm staying with it. So trade Anthony Rendon's terrible contract for uh, Garrett Cole. You know, you, the Angels will have to give it a little bit more to make that money <laughs> work out. No way. <laughs> And uh, dude, I want to see a Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani, you know, pitching staff, and then you know Trout has some pitching. Let's, let's make the Angels fun. I think the Yankees should trade Garrett Cole. They should trade Aaron Judge. They should trade just uh, anybody that's relevant on that team. I was gonna say like DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, but they're like, please take them, take them, <laughs> uh, trade them, and let the Yankees rebuild. I would love this. I would yeah, love for the Yankees yeah, to be. Both those guys, I would be buying buying low on this year. Torres, and Labor, Labor, and DJ. I think are both gonna have bounce. I don't think they're gonna be as good as they were before, but I think they're not bounce back years, and the price is right. Let me tell you. Yeah, I love DJ as a bounce back candidate. Yeah, I agree with that Doc, did you have one? Yeah, so mine isn't superstar players. I mean, I, I guess maybe one of them is, but I I wanted to stick with the Brewers. So the Brewers trade Josh Hader and Rowdy Telez to the Philadelphia. I'm glad you took my idea. Really? Well, no, I'm saying I had Josh Hader being the one traded from that team. Yeah, so Josh Hader and Rowdy Telez to the Phillies for Reese Hoskins, Jose Alvarado, and Scott Kingery. Scott Kingery played in 15 games last year. I think he needs a fresh start. Uh, multi you you know, you can plug him in a few different spots. Reese Hoskins is the power they need at first base. He's 28 years old. And you get a left-handed reliever with Jose Alvarado. Once again, you have that stack bullpen. And the Phillies, who have, like, the worst bullpen in history, you get that sure ninth inning guy, and then you get Rowdy Telez to plug back into first base. So I think it's a win-win for both parties in the salaries matchup. I like that. It's a good trade there. Let's now move to the last segment of the night, which is going to be the game of the week. And Cheesecake has the game. He's hosting this week. Says it's something fun. It's one of his classics. I believe mm-hmm. that you call it uh, and one. Wait, yeah. dude, you didn't do the Wonder Twins power? Uh, I don't have my soundboard hooked up because oh, Cheesecake yeah. was going to share his screen. You disappointment. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling mom. I'm so, sorry. so the, uh, the, the game is, is basketball. It's and one. So each, each question is two rounds. The first round, whoever gets the right answer gets to play for the second round, the and one question. So that each question is worth two points. 
There is multiple people who can get one point in the first round, but only one person can get an extra point on the second question. The and one. Okay. Um, kick is the best game show host because you never understand the directions when he enters it. And then when we start guys, playing, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the first, the first round of questions is going to be our price is right answer style where, it, where it switches a person starts each time. We're going to start with D Mendy. Uh, first question, D Mendy, Doc, then Marty, then Chris. The MLB has really cracked down on foreign substances in the past few seasons, but there is one foreign substance that the MLB allows on every single baseball that is played. What foreign substance is rubbed on every single baseball? D Mendy, you start. Oh, why? I feel, I feel really stupid. Um, is it rosin? Doc? I think it, that was going to be my guess is rosin. Marty? That was my guess. Chris, you're muted. I was going to guess this, but I, and I don't quite understand the game, so I'm trying to wonder if I, I'll stick with rosin instead of going with something else. The MLB rubs mud from the Delaware River on every single baseball. What? That is, yes. Mud from the Delaware River is is rubbed on every single game played baseball that the MLB in the in That's in the, the thing I learned today. Have they said why though? Um well they wanted to um I think that in like the 20s there was a manager who realized that that mud helped you grip a baseball better. So the MLB started doing that and now that's the only thing that that they now they rub it on every single baseball. So This is why I love baseball. Like I feel like I I read, breathe everything to baseball. I love everything about it, not just fantasy. And I did not know that, and it's awesome. It's like we're like they're not rubbing mud on NBA basketballs or football. Like that's like because that's because this because this is older than like the Civil War. Like that's what baseball is in America. So like back in the day, they were like, you know, well, let's rub some. The Delaware River has the best mud. Like, you know, <laughs> like let's let's use that, and it just hasn't changed. So I think we should do the and one for everybody since uh, since everybody got it wrong. So let's okay. see if I can. Let me see and if I can the foul. Okay, we got the end one. Yes. All right. Let's see if I can get this right. Anagram. Does everyone see this? Can everyone see this? No. Window. There, okay. Hold on. It's okay. loading. Okay. I'm proud of you. Is it there loading? Did you make a PowerPoint? <laughs> I made a PowerPoint. All right. <laughs> All right, so this is... Oh, I got I rid of it. Okay, yeah, I got it. All right, I made a PowerPoint. Um, <laughs> this is an anagram. Which Major League Baseball team... Everyone get, everyone gets a guess, but it's first come, first serve. You only get one guess. Niles Canned Advil is, is an anagram of what Major League Baseball team? Niles Canned Advil. Um, I want to say Cleveland Indians, but that's bada not bing, bada boom, one Whoa. point for Prince. That's not a team anymore. They're done. It's the Guardians. Oh, <laughs> we canceled you, Chris. We canceled oh. you. You said a bad word. Oh my God, I'm I'm canceled. I can't believe I got that one wrong. Oh, I got well, well. All right, all right, all right. We're going to question two. You got a point from that, Chris, because you got the question right. But I. I got a, I got a negative one for putting the wrong <laughs> name up. Uh, question two. What is the average lifespan of a major league baseball? Is it six pitches, seven pitches, eight pitches, or nine pitches? Doc, start with you. I'm going to go seven pitches. 
Marty? Six. Chris? Six. Dean Mandy? I thought we were going to all pick one, and just one of us was going to get lucky. I'm going to go nine. It is seven. Doc is correct. Oh. He's the only one who gets to play. You get one guess, Doc, for the... Uh, yeah, the and one. The only the and one. Yeah, are we ready? <laughs> uh, we're ready. I, I have a basketball. I have a basketball in my room. I'm trying to shoot. Okay, let's see if this works. Am I doing this right? It's popping up. It's just taking a second. Okay. Make sure you check out be... our YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. subscribe. <laughs> okay. Album rewires week. I'll give you ten seconds. Is this an anagram? Yep, they're all anagrams. Milwaukee Brewers. There you go. How did you get that? From how did you get that from that? Uh, the W. There's not a lot of teams with W's in there. Okay, I'm just gonna because because it takes a while for this to reload. I'm just just gonna leave it up. Yeah. All right. Part question three. Um, starting with Marty. How many innings was the longest game in the history of the major leagues? And I'm not gonna give you options, Marty. How many innings was the longest game? Thirty-three. Uh, Chris. Twenty-four. Team Andy. I want to say it was twenty-seven. Doc. Twenty-six. Twenty-six is correct, Doc. You just cherry picked me, Doc. I feel like oh, you need to go. I'm going. I'm going. Whatever is first in the noggin here, baby. <laughs> Doc, you get a chance to build a pretty strong lead here. Headlock Atlantis. Countdown, seven, eight, nine. St. Louis Cardinals. I know it's wrong. Oakland Athletics for Headlock Mm. Atlantis. Okay, all right. I Uh, hopefully we get more than one person in this next round. Um, How many? How many questions we have total? Well, I have eight, but I don't want to go for too long. So, well, tell me when when we should stop. Uh, The fourth question. Do you say one more? We'll do two more. Let's do two more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what did Babe Ruth put under his hat to keep himself cool during games? Um, I think uh, Chris starts with this. Is it A, a damp cloth, B, women's underwear, <laughs> C, ham cold cuts, or D, a cabbage leaf? Cabbage leaf. With a, I am confident in that answer, by the way. Mendy. I'm just going to ride Chris right there, and I'm going to say cabbage leaf as well. Doc. Same. I'm not going to go against the Yankees fan. Marty. Cabbage. I thought someone was going to guess women's underwear. I mean, if he, to be honest, if he didn't guess first, I would have done that. They're not mutually exclusive. By the <laughs> yeah. He could have had them in like his, his back pocket. Okay, so remember, this is a jump off. Was, a was that right then, Art? Was I right about the cabbage leg? That's correct. First one to get this right. Old Banjo's tryout. Old Banjo's tryout. It's a jump ball. Toronto Blue Jays. Bam! Marty has two points. Let me dang Marty. That was quick. Doc has four. Chris has two. Marty has two. Mendy has one. So we can we can tie it on this last one if someone gets two points and and Doc gets zero. But Doc can clinch it if he gets it right. Okay. Um, Number five. Let me see which one I picked. Okay. Um, Which which player is on the most valuable baseball card in history? And we're starting with D. Mendy. 
Oh, I know this one. It's Honus Wagner. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a given. There's like eight in the world. Okay, so I, I didn't know everyone would know that one. All right. No, no, no you can't change it. Can't change it. We'll we'll I, I vote we'll for a another one. Maybe we'll do a different question last. We'll do we'll do one more jump ball though. Right now. Sticky Aaron Slays. Kansas City Royals. Bam! How are you guys so good at this? Holy crap. Well, actually, like, I don't he, 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 I was like the K. I was like, find the most rare letter and then go for it. So, okay, Chris, you, you are in it. You are down by one point to Doc right now. We're going to do this game one should more. be over. No, Marty, <laughs> last one. This is the last one. It's being played under controversy. <laughs> okay, okay. Doc, I'm you riding. start off this one. Kanye West's album Graduation includes a song named after which MLB player? You should know this, Doc. You're hip into culture. I, I like Graduation album. I'm thinking you like that. the hippity hop. You know all about the rappers. Do we? I mean, do we get a, a guess or no? Just guess. I, yeah. Gary Bonds. Uh, uh, we'll not, Derek Jeter. Not your turn yet. Derek Jeter. Oh, sorry. Marty. <laughs> Um, Griffey. Chris? It's Barry Bonds. Mendy. Uh, you say it's correct. It's Barry Bonds. <laughs> well, he screamed it like two before Doc answered. So I, I, I got confused with the rules. I thought it was a jump ball. I had to get in there. Right. <laughs> now, we're, now we're doing the last jump ball. Chris, if you get this, you beat Doc. Uh, All no, right. no, I'm filing for petition. I, well, I think aren't I, aren't I tied with him right now because I got very much. You, you get this jump ball, but if I get the jump ball, then uh, yep, yep. I block you. Go, David. I have never rooted for you, so this will never happen again. <laughs> Alarmist entrees. Oh, St. Louis Cardinals. There's <laughs> no I don't know. I just saw that. Alarmist no entrees. I don't know. I wanted to beat him to it. Art. There's Chris, five seconds left. Five, four. That is true. I t- three, two, one. Oh, I know it. Any guess? What? What's your? What do you think? You know it? Seattle no. Mariners. It's the Seattle Mariners. I should That's win right. for that. I should you win for that. You give it to him. Doc uh, wins. I, hey, if Chris is willing to give it away. Doc gets nah, the win. Chris, this is why I love you. This I, is what, I, I was. I was trying to get that, and I couldn't get it. All right, guys. Uh, I think we're gonna give Doc the win for this one. Congratulations, Doc. I don't. Yeah, nice, nice job, Doc. I don't have my one person cheer for you. Yeah. All right, Marty. Marty, don't be so, don't be salty. You haven't gotten a dub yet in this league. <laughs> well, listen, to you, I love you. <laughs> oh man, you guys. I've just learned tonight. I'm really bad at that. Um, you are awful. I, I cannot read the the nanograms at all. That's what they're called, right? Nanograms. Nanograms. I. I I you also don't, don't know the word for it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't if, you, if you if you come to Rhode Island, I will take you to the international headquarters of Bananagrams, which oh. is an anagram game that you get in a pouch shaped like a banana. Oh, I love oh, that. I'm actually from Rhode Island, yes. I'm sold. All right, but well, on that note, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. It's always a ton of fun with you on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Love it. And uh, before we get out of here, of course, plug all the great stuff you're doing to our listeners, where they can find you on Twitter, your great website, and all the great stuff you do in the fancy baseball community. Sweet. So um, I am at Baseball Pods on Twitter. That's where you'll find most of what I do. I also am at Baseball-Pods.com, where um, I do some, and when we have actual baseball, I do some uh, some content, and I am 
about to, I'm about 400 deep now. I will have updated um, dynasty rankings there that also are like about a top 150 prospect ranking. So it's all in one. And um, actually, thanks to James Anderson and Rotowire involved in a offseason dynasty um, draft. And that's helping me rethink and reshape all the rankings. Because let me tell you, 2020 threw everyone off um, for real in terms of baseball, the baseball season, how weird it was. It also really threw a wrench in long-term dynasty rankings because we knew nothing about the minors because it was an invisible year. And so this is probably one of the more interesting and uh, dynasty updates I've ever done. And I have never seen so many moves. Think about a guy that we were talking about earlier, like Keston Hura and where he would have been uh, before 2020 compared to where he is now. You're talking about a guy that was probably a top 25 on a dynasty 500 list who now might not even make the list. So um, really encourage you guys to check that out. It should be published in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'll also start to publish. If you're I'm a writer, I'll just throw this out there. If you're a writer who wants to get published, there's a few people who have reached out to me. And uh, really just want to get an excuse to get into Justin Mason's uh, TGFBI league. Like I will publish you on my website if you have good content and I'll help you make good content. Cause the only reason I started my website was to get into TGFBI cause Justin wouldn't let me, um, even though I have like one of the best Twitter handles around. So um, I've, uh, I have definitely, it's a spite website against Justin. And so if you're trying to get into TGFBI, I encourage you to send me some stuff. I'll publish a couple articles if they're good. And if not, I'll help you make them good. And then we can, you know, uh, spite Justin together. Did his wife help you with that? No, no, no. She encouraged me every step of the way, though. It's like okay, if you that's important, naturally. If you watched, if you watched, you know, curb your enthusiasm. It's like latte Larry's. You know, it's I'm my website is Larry's. <laughs> I love that. Again, Chris is one of the best guys in the fantasy community, and his website's pretty awesome. If you check out, he puts a lot of time and effort into those rankings. You can just tell once you pull it up and look at what he does. Uh, it, it's something again that you got to check out if you're an avid fantasy baseball player for sure. Just baseball fan in general honestly um but we thank chris for coming on next week we're going to be diving into the al west with guest matt williams from roto fanatic and the nfbc nfbc nbc sports edge that should be fun but uh until then everyone stay safe enjoy the off season what comes about it and we're gonna make like a bread truck we're gonna haul these buns catch you guys in the next one